And, you know, I just always liked Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? And again, I mean, kudos, congratulations to the happy couple. Couple. Below. What are they called? Balo? Afflo? Affleck. Whatever the fuck, you know? Him and him and J Lo, I mean my man, you know what I mean? So uh but I was always like enjoying of his work and I actually had to defend him one night. Um I defended his character and his honor quite valiantly, I would say. I'm coming up against uh just a lot of the stuff I mentioned where a lot of people in society seem to have pain and panic, you know? I want it now. And if I don't get it, then I'm depressed. And when I get depressed, I spiral downwards. And when I spiral downwards, that's when society better look the fuck out. I might hit somebody over the head with a tree branch for no fucking reason. I might shoot up a subway for no fucking reason. Because I'm angry at the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune of an uncaring, unfeeling, but fucked world. In a nutshell... Right? So I too have been, you know, dog fucked by the fucking dogs of life. When discussing comedy, is everything a joke? Is everything acceptable to laugh at? Is it a joke? Isn't it a joke? Too soon? Too late? Like, what's the right timing for a joke? What constitutes a joke? Is everything on the table? Is it all a joke? When it comes to joking, that is. I personally believe taste and tact are very important. Yes, the comedian must take the risk to craft humor at any cost. Because you really don't know, and especially in this day and age, what the fuck is going to set somebody off, trigger them into a fucking breakdown. (gasps) They knew that I loved cactuses. I grew cactuses in my apartment for 20 years. And then when my house got home invaded and they stuck me up and they stole my cactuses. Uh, They stole my cactus patch. And now whenever I hear a joke about a cactus, it just... uh, You know, cacti and cactuses, you know. Don't you fucking make a cactus joke. Don't you know that bitch fell on a cactus and got a fucking thorn in her butt? Buttocks? She had to get her left butt cheek amputated because she got stuck in the butt with a fucking cactus. Patch. Thistle. Or thorn. Or whatever the hell you call them. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, it's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 1st in the year of our Lord, 2022. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Hey folks, how you doing? If you knew the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. Yeah. You know, I don't owe you a damn thing. (laughs) 
You know, you ever like, uh, you ever watch like these internet personalities, you know, they just, I fuck the fuck out of the camera, man. Just, hi, I'm so-and-so, and today we're going to be talking about cooking with vegetable oil. Ten easy little life hacks about cooking with vegetable oil. I fucking the fuck out of the fucking fucking camera. You know? Like, don't get me wrong, I'm desperate for your attention as well, but I ain't gonna fucking blow smoke up your ass. I don't know what the hell you're doing here. Do you like it or not? You know? We talk about, like, current events, pop culture, the times of the times, my little escapades as a stand-up comedian, actor, the whole kit and caboodle, folks. You can't go wrong. The show's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, Jonathan, pronounced Jonathan dash ramcharan.com and as always folks if you're enjoying the show getting some laughs chuckles gags guffaws chortles please would you help my black ass out share me with a friend sharing's caring folks you know it truly is hey there mate do you want to learn how to make 19 million dollars in 19 minutes Just last year, I was a loser just like you until I fucking found out about online shipping. (laughs) Content creation. I seem to be taking out some professional frustrations this day. Folks, don't mind me. Actually in a pretty good mood, I guess. All things considering, you know, life, life. <laughs> Have you heard of it? <laughs> Have you lived it? Have you loved it? Have you dealt with it? Have you been fucked by it? <sighs> Onward and upward. I recently saw a very entertaining film, uh, Deep Water, starring... Um, Ben Affleck, and this feisty little Romanian, Ukrainian, Russian little dime piece, little doll, little fucking sex pot. What's her damn name? You know, she was actually quite good. You know, like, um, actresses that are very attractive, they got a tough role because it's like, are they just eye candy, window dressing, or is there a character there? And in this film, Deep Water, it's about the this relationship that's in this rocky relationship between a man and a and a wife and uh, multiple partners. The 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 wife is like a polyanamorous, polyanimous, polyanal, poly poly pocket, poly pector. I don't fucking know a polyanamorous polymorphic remember that show anamorphics anamorphics you know when like the animals would morph into human beings anamorphics i digress it's about a husband and a wife in a rocky relationship the wife is like polyanamorous she's in multiple relationships and the husband has become like this like Soy boy, cuckold, emasculated, real sad sack, you know, watching his wife get fucked by a train from the sidelines, right? So what's this actress's name, you know, because she does a really good job. 
And, um, you know, she, she, you know, like the scenes were pretty, like, you know, like uh, to exude sexiness and energy and urgency and heightened dramatism takes a lot of commitment, you know. There's a lot of actors and actresses out there getting away with ho-humming it, you know, the whole, like, mumble. You know how they have them mumble rappers? You know, and the fucking masses of fucking morons. I love it. I love it. Give me more of that emo mumble rap fucking BS mumbo jumbo. Well, just as there's mumble rappers delight galore, there's uh, mumble actors and actresses that just kind of, they just get away with it. Film after film, just... And for some fucking reason, people are fascinated with them. Type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. Not that I'm jealous or anything. So when you're doing like these very intense um, scenes, whether it be like theater, film, whatever, as an actor, to commit to them and to to have that urgency and that 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 kind of energy, and ha- to have it read truthful and urgent, and you know to you know to make an audience like sit up and whoa. Take notice. It's quite impressive. So that's what this actress did. She she's like this wife in a as I mentioned polyamorous relationship with Ben Affleck's character. She's like a sex kitten, sex pot. She's kind of like a drunk, you know, recreational drug user. You know, fucking just a real wipe washout of a mother. You know. You know, they got this darling little two, three-year-old girl running like five. She's a complete waif of a mother, wastrel mother, absentee mother. You know, you're getting drunk on the debauch, out at parties, you know, fucking every other Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know. And this actress, let me find her name. This little sex kitten, this little Russian doll, or I think she is a Romanian or some shit. She really fucking nailed it, I'm telling you. You know what I mean? Like it's, and again, it's not, hey, heightened emotion, intensity, not exactly easy to pull off truthfully. It's more than just, like, you know, the fucking crocodile tears and the hysteria, you know, it's more than that. So let me check it out here. Deep water. Anna D. Ormas. Anna D. Ormas. Real sex kitten. A feisty actress. And a real... Real showstopper. I mean, I really liked her performance. And that's not just because I'm a, you know, misogynistic prick. You know, like... She really nailed the performance. And uh, just to give you a little synopsis, 
And then Ben Affleck also. I mean, he's been solid for years. We're going to get into him in a second. But uh, let me give you a... Let me give you a synopsis. According to... Uh, Wikipedia. Make sure to donate. <laughs> so according to Wikipedia, Deep Water, a 2022 film. Entitled Deep Water. The name of the film's Deep Water. Deep Water. Is a erotic psychological thriller. Boy, is it ever erotic. Film directed by Adrian Lin. From a screenplay by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson. Based on the 1957 novel by the same name. By Patricia Highsmith. I didn't know that. Wow. So there's um, you know, solid screenplay, solid story, and great dialogue. And if, you know, it... So, I guess there's some history in this story. Based on a 1957 novel by the same name by Patricia Highsmith. The film stars Ben Affleck and Anna D. Armas with Tracy Letts, Lil Rel Howery. He's funny. You know, he's a comedian. He uh, has some, like, you know, supporting uh, pieces in the film. Supporting work. Uh, Dash Mihawk. Finn Whitrock, Kristen Connolly, and Jacob L. Roddy appearing in supporting roles. And again, a lot of all those actors. Um, it was a nice ensemble. Well, I wouldn't call it an ensemble film, I guess. It, was it, it wasn't so heavy on ensemble. It was mainly Ben Affleck and uh, Anna D. Armas. Those were the two main characters, the husband and wife. But the surrounding characters were very... Uh, well cast and enjoyable and they did a great performance as well um so these actors appearing in supporting roles it marks lynn's return to filmmaking after a 20-year absence since his last film unfaithful 2022 in disney's first erotic film what in disney's first erotic film in 28 years since color of night I didn't know Disney was into erotic films. Apparently they, you know, like the Little Mermaid. Like during the wedding scene, apparently the priest gets a boner and all the like subliminal messaging. Like apparently like in the dust cloud of dust. You know, the dust cloud after Mufasa falls off a cliff and dies. You know, Simba and he falls off a cliff. Apparently like fart or ass or something is written in the dust cloud. So, like, there's been a lot of erotic shit in Disney films anyway. So, I guess it marks Disney's first erotic film in 28 years. But anyways, it's an erotic thriller about this polyamorous wife and husband. And, you know, there's a thriller murder aspect to it. Quite good. Ben Affleck. He's a real keeper. You know, I fell in love with him in... Uh, what the fuck was it? Sure as hell wasn't Jiggly. Or Geely or whatever the fuck. What the hell was it? Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Um, or Reindeer Games. Was that the other one he was in? I don't know. Whatever the fuck. But anyways, 
Goodwill Hunting. That's where I first fell in love with him. And, uh, you know, wow. Him and Matt Damon, they put together that screenplay. They get it done. Robin Williams, fantastic. And through the years, I always, you know, I always appreciated his work. You know, he's like a man's man. And, you know, and I, 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 I feel like there's some movies from the early 2000s that he was in that I enjoyed. I feel like there was more films that he did that, because like, you know how he was, I mean, props to that, you know, J-Lo. He pulled her back in fucking 2002. And then again in... Currently, I guess they're engaged. I mean, I mean, my man, you know. So you know he, you know he, he's on that J Lo tip, and even back in them J Lo days when they were giving him a heartache about it, you know, heartache and pain and grief and grievances, you know, oh my God, him and J Lo taking pictures left, right, and center. It never phased me. I'm like, hey, he's doing his thing. They're in love, whatever. Like, I, I didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like there was like a. It was like a, I don't know, it seemed like it was fashionable to dislike him, but I never did. I always thought he was a, a good actor, good performer, and, you know, also, also a good filmmaker and a writer and a filmmaker. I mean, he won, was it Best Picture or Best Director for Argo? Uh, you know, obviously Goodwill Hunting, what a... You know, what a home run that was. And then, I don't know. He did other movies that I somehow, I don't know, they escaped me at the moment. But like one of which, which was quite good, was um, Gone Girl. Again, a similar type role. um, A husband and a wife in a rocky marriage and thriller elements ensue. The plot thickens. Gone Girl. So, uh, or was it Gone Baby Gone? No, it was Gone Girl. Let me double check on that. Gone Girl. It's gone, baby, gone. The love is gone. Is it gone, baby, gone? The love is gone away. Yeah, Gone Girl. 2014. It's a mystery thriller. You know, Ben Affleck again, quite good. Also in Hollywood Land. I really enjoyed him in Hollywood Land. Is that what it's called? I'm not going to look it up. Who cares? What am I, a walking thesaurus? Dictionary? But like, um... Hollywood Land, he played uh, George Reeves, I believe, the first Superman on the television series back in like the, I guess like the, what was it, late 40s, early 50s, mid 50s, George Reeves, and he died under mysterious circumstances till this day. Was it a suicide? Was it a murder? Was it a drunken accident? You know? Very interesting um, story, the whole George Reeves situation, you know. Basically, in a nutshell, George Reeves was cast as the first Superman in the television series. And, you know, he was this kind of 
uh, I guess he'd been at it for a minute, but, you know, he was kind of turning that corner into being like, you know, he'd been around, he'd been kicked around. You know, he was fucking his way to the top the best he could, you know, messing around with, like, film studio heads, wives, you know, just doing whatever the hell he could to gain a foot in showbiz. And then he gets this part as Superman, which was kind of goofy. You know, it wasn't like today when, you know, everybody's just chomping at the bit to be the next Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, whatever the fuck, right? Kind of goofy. Jumping around in spandex and leotards and capes and shit. And he was like, oh my God, all I, you know, he wanted to be like a serious actor and shit, but he was like all depressed by it. But show became a hit. Kids loved it, but he was depressed. He took to drinking. He took to, I know drinking. I don't know about anything else. Maybe he was on drugs and shit too. Who knows? But, you know, he was drinking for sure. Basically, it all culminates to a point where it's like, you know, He's trying to make a career comeback. He's kind of, you know, bloated and washed out and just kind of been around the block. Then one night, you know, he's with this new woman, this new femme fatale type character. And he's all drunk and whatever at this party in his home. Next thing you know, shots ring out in the night. The cops arrive. George Reeve is dead by an apparent gunshot to the head suicide in a nutshell so that movie hollywood land was uh you know ben affleck depicting that character that actor george reeves so um you know adrian brody was in that film as well it was a good movie enjoyable it's kind of like a thriller their take on it, their take on the situation. Again, it's still out to lunch what really happened there, right? And, you know, I just always liked Ben Affleck, you know what I mean? And again, I mean, kudos, congratulations to the happy couple. Couple. Belo, what are they called? Belo? Afflo? Affleck! Whatever the fuck, you know? Him and, him and J-Lo, I mean... My man, you know what I mean? So, uh, but I was always like enjoying of his work. And I actually had to defend him one night. Um, I defended his character and his honor quite valiantly, I would say. I was at like, you know how it is, you know, like I said myself, uh, if you know, if you may or may not know, I am an actor extraordinaire. And uh, I was at this party once and uh, it was a couple years back. This was like actually around the time when he was, playing Superman, you know, like, uh, for real, like he played the actor, George, Re George Reeves, he played the actor, George Reeves in the film Hollywood land. And then Ben Affleck, he actually went on to play Batman in like the DC, DC comic film universe. He was playing Batman. So I guess this was like around, I don't know, 2015 or something. I'm at this party and, you know, people are drunk, drinking and talking and, oh yeah, you hear about this new Batman film starring Ben Affleck. And this one party rebel, this guy, he was just trashing it, you know? Oh, Ben Affleck can't play Batman. He sucks. Ben Affleck's garbage. Ben Affleck this, Ben Affleck that. 
the guy was really starting to get on my hairs because like this guy himself was a hack you know he was like this this like rocker wannabe douchebag you know he had the big bouffant hairdo kind of like a slash looking dude and he was wearing a top hat and a leather jacket and he was just a real rocker wannabe wet behind the ears wet blanket kind of a sissy type dude and talking all this shit about my man Ben Affleck he can't fucking play Superman he'll never be Superman and I was like and I was like yo man like what what, what do you got against Ben Affleck like he's a good actor and he actually kind of looks like the quintessential Bruce Wayne I mean, he's probably going to do a great job. I mean, what what are you going on and on about this for? I don't know. I just kind of took umbrage with it. Her upridge? Umpire or umbrella? I took upridge, umbrage with it or whatever. You know the fucking word, right? I took I took a distaste to the conversation because it was just like, just so negative and dumb and swarmy and phony. You know, you know how it is when you be hanging out with them, all them phony types, right? And I was just saturated with these phony type people at that time in my life and career. So it just really rubbed me the wrong way. So I, I, I got up and I defended Ben Affleck's honor. You know, I was like, look, he's going to do a fantastic job. I mean, he looks like Bruce Wayne. He's got the build. He's got the look. He's got the acting chops. Most importantly, I mean, he's going to do a great job. And um, for from all accounts, he did. I've yet to see any of those films. I will, though, at some point. And, um, you know, again, kudos. Ben Affleck, Anna Armas, I believe her name is. Deep Water. That film is quite good. And it's available on, like, Amazon Prime. You can get it there. Uh, and, you know, I highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. Anna Moss, Yeah, that's her name. So, yeah. Definitely check her out when you get the chance. Deep Water. Also, a film that I've seen recently, uh, Passion of the Christ. And, um... I want to shift gears here in the podcast and get onto some other topics, but I'll be quick. I'll be quick about Jesus. <laughs> um, the Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson. I recently watched that, rewatched it. Great film. Great film. Man, they beat the shit out of Jesus. Oof. Oof. They gave it to him good, that film. And um, all I got to say is, um, I don't know, lately as I search in my Christianity, I am a believer, I believe in God, and I'm working on my relationship with Christ in that it's not always easy to grasp that story gets a little confusing. Is Jesus God? Is Jesus the Father? Is he our brother? Is he immortal? The whole immaculate conception. Where I'm at today is I'm a Christian. I was raised Christian. I believe in God. 
And suffice to say, I just love the story of Jesus because I see it mirrored in quite smaller scale situations and settings everywhere in the world today. I mean, here you got this Jesus. He comes to bring salvation, feed the hungry, clothe the poor. And he's brought up on all these phony baloney charges. The Pharisees, the high priests, they hate him for no reason. He's too good. Who does he think he is? And they they try to bring him before the Roman authorities. They seek his execution for what? They call it blasphemy. And they, they seek his execution. And when it's not granted, they lie. They lie on Jesus. They call him a traitor to the Roman, uh, to Caesar, a traitor to the Roman Empire. And that any man who stands with Jesus is a traitor to the Roman Empire. So they lie and persuade their way into the murder and execution of Jesus. He's whipped and flogged and beaten. He's forced to bear a cross to his own execution. There he is nailed to a cross and left to die for three hours, I believe. That is the story of Good Friday. You know, he is on the cross from 9 a.m. to about 12 p.m. in the afternoon. Which point he looks up at the heavens and screams, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He asks for a sip of water. They dip a dirty sponge in a sour jug of wine. And they hold it up to him on a broom handle. And, you know, he takes a sip. He exclaims, It is done. Then he gives up the ghost and dies. And they bury his ass on a Saturday. And then by Sunday, he's resurrected. In the film, The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson, you know. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I know what you may or may not be thinking. Old Mel's a little bit of an oddity himself. But that's a great film. And I guess he was just on an off night. He had a bad night. That old freak out thing. Ancient history now gives a shit. And uh, I think he's on the mend. I think he's like... He's more present these days. You see him around and stuff. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm looking forward to more Mel Gibson stuff. I've yet to see Apocalypto. I'm going to check that out. I got that on my Amazon Prime membership. So I'm going to check out Apocalypto pretty soon. Maybe I'll talk about that. But, um, yeah, I thought I'd wrap on that for a bit today. Those are a couple, couple films that I've seen recently that have really kind of, I don't know, inspired me and touched me, gave me food for thought. Deep Water and The Passion of the Christ. Hallelujah. Um... Quick sip of water, balls. Don't mind me, balls. Little water break. Um, what I also want to talk about today is um, 
I don't know if it's a post-pandemic thing. I don't know if it's a symptom of living in a metropolis. I live in Toronto, Canada, a large major city. A lot of violence. A lot of needless violence. A lot of gunplay. A lot of fistfights, stabbings, shovings, beatings. Random acts of violence. Um, I mentioned on the last podcast there was relatively close to my house a double um, like a I guess you would call him a serial killer he killed two people at random at um, you know at, at the Sherbourne subway station downtown Toronto that's Sherbourne Street and Bloor Street downtown Toronto then he shot and killed another man on George Street which is very much in the downtown Toronto area this was uh i guess a little earlier this year 2022 like march early march mid-march of 2022 this guy shot and killed two people at random just randomly no evidence has surfaced so far that they knew each other the murderer and the victims And one of the latest, most public acts of violence in Toronto, this is like about two, three weeks ago now, Um, a woman is pushed in front of a subway train. So this is a quick little news article. I'll quickly read it here. This is from torontosun.com. Woman pushed by stranger onto TTC tracks thought she was going to die. A 39-year-old woman was pushed onto the subway tracks on Sunday, is still in a lot of pain. The woman, who cannot be named because of publication ban, can be seen in a video being pushed onto the tracks by another woman as a train was entering the station. The victim, who broke a rib in the fall, managed to scramble under the lip of the platform and avoid being hit by the train. Imagine how terrifying that is. You're pushed into midair, then you land on the subway tracks, you crack a rib, break a rib, then you gotta scramble under the lip. Imagine how terrifying that situation would be. Scrambling for your life to get away from an oncoming train. The way I felt, the way I was pushed, is just crazy. Next thing, I'm flying and I'm under the rack, the woman told CTV News. I was screaming in pain, she said. I felt like I was going to die. Days after the incident, incident, she was still in pain. A 45-year-old suspect was arrested and faces an attempted murder charge. Police say it's unclear what prompted the frightening incident. I am an innocent person, said the victim. Yeah, so this 45-year-old woman pushes this 39-year-old woman onto the subway train tracks. She scrambles under the lip. She survives. And this suspect that they have in custody, if 
I'm not going to post the video or the picture, but if you see this person, she's like this 45-year-old woman. She's dressed all kind of like skater, punk, ska, you know, really loosey-goosey, earth-childy, hippie, skater, ska, punk, Rasta kind of vibe. I guess completely detached, completely angry, completely illogical, nonsensical. And you see a lot of these angry people, angry at society, angry at their fellow man or woman for things that have nothing to do with one another. I mean, you hate your fellow man because of the trauma that you've been through in your life. I mean, how do those compute? But it's a normal symptom. People don't do unto others as they want done unto themselves. They bring their garbage and their baggage and they dump it on one another. And they don't live and let live. And they're all in each other's business and talking and blabbling at each other. I mean, just this morning, I went for a jog. And I, like I said, I live in downtown Toronto. I went for a jog and I saw another one of these types of people. Just this crazed person wandering down the street. He had a big club. It was like a branch. And he had it over his shoulder. And he was kind of like walking and... He's walking down the street, muttering to himself with his club over... It was like a big tree branch. Caught this big tree branch club just swung over his shoulder. Walking down the street, just like babbling nonsense, putting out a vibe of anger and negativity, probably willing to just attack any random person, these random acts of violence. I carry a fish whacker on my person at all times now due to this type of lunacy a fish whacker that is a uh, you know a little wooden club you know i put that in my backpack and i carry this fish whacker in case any of them motherfuckers want to step out of line and fucking play with me boy i mean it's a reality i can't even tell you like well i could tell you but i mean Several times it's happened to me where these crazy lunatic people from the streets and don't give me that horse shit about all the downtrodden, man. I've been there. I've been poor. I came up poor my entire life. I've lived in men's shelters. I've, you know, had to make adjustments and struggle and do better for myself. It's not, you know, we have the fortune of living in Canada, a Western civilization where Things aren't perfect, and but a lot can be done by just having the willpower to do for yourself and, you know, fighting to stay true to the light in such an ugly negative world. People who buy into that negativity and spiral downward and take no accountability, they're doing it to themselves. It's unfortunate. They got a lot of pain and turmoil, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe a lot of rightful truths to their anger and contempt are held. Like, yeah, 
Maybe it's true that they were really misused and mistreated and hurt in their life, but it doesn't give them a right to exact revenge on innocent people. And I've had a lot of these mental patients walk up on me. Fuck you. What are you looking at? Like, I had one dude like square up on me, looking at me like he wanted to take a swing on me. I had this other dude following me, talking at me, barking at me to... Like, I've had plenty of instances where just, you know, there I am minding my own business. Some mental patient wants to start something with me. That's why I'd be carrying this fish whacker. Papa don't take no mess. All right? So... You know, I think the solution is people really need to get spiritually cleansed, take accountability for themselves. As far as I can tell, there ain't no reason to, you know, fall down this pit of despair and negativity in Canada. I just don't see the deprivation, the depravity like that. And I've been on that side. You know, I came up poor and all welfare as a child. As a child, that's how I grew up. Um, when I got to an adulthood, I had to work petty, menial, day labor type of work. I broke, but I struggled and I persevered. And a lot can be had for just personal accountability. And whenever I too, whenever I too felt angry and misused by society and discarded, I just took it as an opportunity to look within and see what I'm doing wrong and what I could do better instead of just blaming random people and being angry. And yeah, you know, there's the temptation to just hate everybody. I woke up screaming, fuck the world, fuck the world. You know, fuck the world. It is a cynical world motivated by self-interest. Nobody really cares. Yeah, it's very easy to feel that way but we need to come away from this anger contempt and resentment and this random these random acts of violence so I don't I don't know how we can get that message to people that the kingdom of heaven is within the answers are within and all is well it always seems darkest before the dawn um, as some retard once said, uh, and, um, you know, we're going to make it all's well. So I don't, I don't know how to get that message to people. You know, it's not as dire and as urgent and as important as it seems these hang-ups that we have we can overcome them so that's my message to anyone who wants to hear it and i don't know hopefully at some point if i'm if i'm in a position to impart that to people to make a difference who am i to do it just another joe blow schmo walking the earth but um 
having gone through a lot of the similar things that you see these people that are angry in society are dealing with, just, you know, the pain of a cruel, uncaring world, you know? Who hears my cry, you know? Been there, done that. And the answers are within and, you know, God is with us. Hallelujah. Quick sip of water, boss. Don't mind me, boss. So, if you're new to the program, um, as I mentioned, um, I uh, perform. I am a performer. Comedy, acting, schmacting, the whole wackadoo. And I recently started my own production company, Noi Productions. Production company where I get to wet my beak, so to speak. Skits, scat, skadoodle, the whole kit and caboodle, you know? Hopefully you can branch off into like documentary, feature film, the whole wackadoo, the whole enchilada, Noi Productions. And in doing so, um, I'm coming up against uh, just a lot of the stuff I mentioned where a lot of people in society seem to have pain and panic, you know? I want it now. And if I don't get it, then I'm depressed. And when I get depressed, I spiral downwards. And when I spiral downwards, that's when society better look the fuck out. I might hit somebody over the head with a tree branch for no fucking reason. I might shoot up a subway for no fucking reason. Because I'm angry at the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune of an uncaring, unfeeling, but fucked world. In a nutshell, Right? So I too have been, you know, dog fucked by the fucking dogs of life. And, you know, but hey, you know, you got to get up and get at her. And, you know, with this production company of mine, Noi Productions, I push forward. I recently put out my first stand-up comedy special, Jonathan Ramcharan, suitable for no audiences. It's a real humdinger, folks, and I'm quite proud of it. Do check it out when you get the chance. Available on my website, jonathan-ramcharan.com, YouTube, Odyssey, uh, and uh, onward and upward. Moving on to the next project. And in doing so, I got to work a day job. Takes money to like make a little bit of money, you know? For me to invest in these projects, I got to, you know, get money from somewhere. For me to, you know, have rent, a roof over my head. I work a Joe Blow stiff. I'm a working stiff, carrying a lunch bucket uh, type of dude. And I recently started this job where it's like, um, it's in the, uh, yeah, it's like in the food industry. It's like um, packaging and shipping uh, food for kids. It's quite noble. Healthy meals cooked for kids at daycares and, you know, uh, elementaries preschool and shit like that and you know these 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 pack lunches for kids and i you know i package them with care 
and consideration to get to these little munchkins, these little youngsters. And um, it's amazing what I'm seeing. A thread of J.R. the P. Jonathan Ramtree on the podcast is just reflections of, you know, my views in society as a performer and, you know, in this capacity as I'm talking, as a worker. And it's just funny the things you see about people. Um, the careless impositions, you know, everybody's preoccupied with what their neighbor's doing. And, um, you know, in comedy, which is, you know, what the podcast is mainly geared toward, the vibe is comedic and to be lighthearted and entertaining. And in that vein, criticizing, complaining, uh, a little bit of hyperbole and bravado brings out a good story. So that's what I was kind of planning to do. Chew into it a bit. Get into some of these personalities and these grievances and some of the real backwardness. Not in terms of not in terms of I know how to run a business, but in terms of I know how to communicate with people. And sometimes the best way to communicate is to just, you know, detach. If you're not, it's like, it's, like, it's like the old saying, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So there's also that element as well. When you're just feeling confused, best thing to do is just say nothing in a social situation, right? Unless it's like, you know, overlooking injustice. But like if you're in an awkward social situation, you don't know what to do, just don't do anything. Just, okay. And it's just wild to me how imposing and megalomaniac and control freak people are. And how they don't do unto others as they would like done unto them. It's like if you were to turn to a person and be like, So, um, have you ever noticed how you obviously um, resent being imposed upon, controlled, talked down to, condescended? You know how you resent those? generally speaking, in your own life? Yeah, so that's pretty much what other people are feeling when you impose upon them with your petty nonsense and um, moronic grievances as if you have a leg to stand on or a voice to be heard. I mean, isn't it true that you're just another dildo dickhead working at this place like that other dildo dickhead that you're babbling at? Why don't you just shut up, take a little bit of... um, humility and utility mind your own fucking business and go on with the day no they're yipping and yapping and watching and talking and gawking at one another so I guess I did kind of complain about it but I'm not really going to go any further into detail suffice to say um, it's a lesson in my own ego as well Because there's the belief that, you know, there ain't nothing that people can do to upset you if you're already upset to begin with, so to speak. It's not that what they say hurts me or angers me. 
It's that I have wounds and problems that I haven't quite dealt with that they touch when they impose upon me. And even if I am right, 100% right in, in my, my right to a personal sovereignty, you know what I mean? Like that inherent God-given gift that we are, we are our own people. We are our own persons. And it can feel like the end of the world and a complete injustice when people impose and talk at you. But it's really a symptom, at least for myself, I see. It's really my own ego and my own um, undealt with issues that spur me into a frustration or a resentment when these fucking ignoramuses get fucking kabili aching at me. Type of shit that makes you sick to your stomach. But um, we persevere. And um, hey... You know, that's being a comic for what it's worth. That's being a actor, an entertainer, a storyteller, a painter, an artist. You see these things and you drum them up and, you know, turn a, turn a fucking molehill into a mountain. But, um, hey going through it so I'm very excited to be doing that um, new job and it's uh, cultivating this new production company of mine Noi Productions and as I mentioned I am an actor extraordinaire and I'm on to my next project yeah and it's a really interesting phase because it's like you know got the first one got the first one up and running Jonathan Ramcharan suitable for no audiences it's on my youtube page on my website on my odyssey page check it out and um on to the next project and this one's a real humdinger i think it's a great concept i think it'll be very visually and in terms of content like the you know the the story the visuals the performance, I think will be very interesting and captivating. And um, I got to bone up, got to beef up on a couple um, skills. So that's one of the interesting things about acting work as an actor. You know, many actors um, like uh, some that come to mind are like Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Daniel Day-Lewis. These actors are well known for their um, character commitment. A lot of the physical character commitments that go into a role. Robert De Niro famously gaining weight, losing weight, training to do Raging Bull. Leonardo DiCaprio, all the physical transformation roles he has done, like... uh, What's eating Gilbert Grape? You know, he plays that little uh, mentally challenged retard child. <laughs> Lord forgive me. And uh, with a great compassion and insight, you know, he plays that uh, mentally challenged child in uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Then a lot of his other physically demanding roles like The Revenant, 
Um, I remember hearing stories of him jumping into these sub below temperature waters to, you know, really play that frontiersman and to really get into the grit of that character. Then you got the Daniel Day Lewis. Again, he plays an invalid, um, with like a mongoloid type of uh, person with um, my left foot. You know that he plays with great compassion and insight. The the physically challenged. I believe he was a I guess like an a, a writer, a poet, an artist who could only write with his left foot, and he could only use his left foot really. He was a paralyzed uh, person, a paralyzed person, and what a story of triumph and perseveration, perseverance to do something in spite of the odds. And then all the other kind of deep dive method acting work type style stuff, gangs of New York, there will be blood, stuff like that, Daniel Day-Lewis. So in saying that, there is a, I guess, like a, a merit and an appreciation for that next level actor stuff where committing to the character goes beyond just the words and the cadence of characterization. There's a, there's a sort of physical reality to it. Now, that doesn't mean good or bad acting. It's just an interesting variation. It's a color scheme when painting with the brush of actorship or whatever the fucking shit you want to call it, right? When you be crafting them characters, boy, you want to paint with a full palette. It's just an extra tool, that physical deep dive. So that's some of the interesting little work that I'm gearing up to do with this next project of mine taking on some challenges challenges that um i hope will add to the work you know because it's like you could let the work be without those challenges or you could add those challenges to kind of give a greater depth to a performance it's like i don't have to do it but i want to challenge myself to do it to see what it could be, to see what the full scope of what I'm trying to put together can be. And that's what's so exciting and invigorating about acting, one of the elements. You know, it's obviously very intriguing and entertaining to get into that, to that physical, or to, into that psyche into the psyche of characters and into that human truth. And it's also interesting to explore those physical dynamics in that presentation. Definitely looking forward to that. More to come. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. And before I get out of here, a little update. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yeah. And in line with some of the stuff I was talking about, you know, just the anger that spawns the resentment and violence and mistreatment and lack of love in society. In line with some of those 
thoughts, you know. One thing you hear a lot in comedy, you hear comics say, or you hear people discuss comedy, whether it's pundits or, you know, talk show hosts or just the general public or comedians themselves. When discussing comedy, is everything a joke? Is everything acceptable to laugh at? Is it a joke? Isn't it a joke? Too soon? Too late? Like, what's the right timing for a joke? What constitutes a joke? Is everything on the table? Is it all a joke? When it comes to joking, that is. I personally believe taste and tact are very important. Yes, the comedian must take the risk to craft humor at any cost. Because you really don't know, and especially in this day and age, what the fuck is going to set somebody off, trigger them into a fucking breakdown. (gasps) They knew that I loved cactuses. I grew cactuses in my apartment for 20 years. And then when my house got home invaded and they stuck me up and they stole my cactuses, uh, they stole my cactus patch. And now whenever I hear a joke about a cactus, it just... You know, cacti and cactuses, you know. Don't you fucking make a cactus joke. Don't you know that bitch fell on a cactus and got a fucking thorn in her butt? Buttocks? She had to get her left butt cheek amputated because she got stuck in the butt with a fucking cactus. Patch. Thistle or thorn or whatever the hell you call them. Right? Don't you dare make... Cactus jokes, like what the fuck are we even talking about? How am I supposed to monitor every little fucking thing, right? Comedian has to spread his or her wings and just, you know, drop it like it's hot. You know, don't worry about what them motherfuckers be fucking crying about, right? Don't give a shit. Do your thing, you know? But it's not all a joke. And there are going to be consequences and repercussions for your behavior. And a lot of times... Two, I notice it's usually, uh, I'm not going to name names, obviously, but it's usually comics that are pretty weak in the material and weak in the performance that espouse that belief. Everything's funny and everything should be considered a joke and everything's on the table and a comic has to have the right to find out where the line is. And how do you know where the line is if you don't... Cross it or check it, and everything's funny, and it's never too soon for a joke. While that is all true, it's usually like kind of half-hearted, not so great in the writing or the performance type of comics that espouse that, you know? Because, I mean, if you know what you're doing, tact, taste and tact are very important. And telling dildo jokes and fucking feminist stuck-up cunt jokes and whatever the fuck, right? Like I said, I'm not exactly a genius myself. You know, I've been called a washed-up hack myself as well. But it's generally the ones that aren't so hot on the writing and the performance that I've seen in my personal personal experiences that really kind of, jokes are jokes! Yeah, you would say that if, like, you know, your house is built on... A sand bank or whatever the fuck the saying is. 
It's like a house of cards. They're going to tumble anyways, right? So you got to make up some bullshit to excuse your fucking self, right? Well, anyway, I recently had a situation where, you know, a comic, a friend, uh, said something to me that wasn't quite a joke. But he tried to play it off as a joke, you know? And then there's that comic thing where it's like, well, everything's a joke. And I I mean, why should I take offense to it? Because everything's a joke. You know, I was just joking, right? Come on, you're a comic, right? You can take it, right? It's just jokes. Really? Right. It wasn't a joke. And it wasn't funny. But if I were to call him on it, it would be like, well... Who knows what it would or would be. I'm just making assumptions. But it definitely wasn't a joke and it wasn't funny. Though he tried to present it that way. And it really got me thinking about my own ego. Because as to some of the things I aforementioned, it's not so much that what a person says to you is offensive. It's that you have wounds and problems and issues that they touch that that leads you to take offense. So yeah, he wasn't joking and he was saying some negative, mean-spirited shit wrapped in the guise of a joke. He was just joking with me. All right. But what it was, it was an opportunity for me to take stock Consider myself and my actions and my words and my ego. And, you know, gain some more resiliency. As a man, as a craftsman in the trade of comedy. And, I don't know, just very interesting. Because, you know... It's kind of a hot topic in this day and age with social media and the uh, the popularity of podcasts and comedians and that that uh, that societal image, you know, like um, or, ra- or rather the societal stance on humor is it too much is it too soon is it too far is it not enough so I don't know it was interesting for me to see that and experience that and feel that and hey at the end of the day it is all jokes but um, you gotta know what's in your foundation and stay true to that I think that's the message and to remember that whatever people say or do really has nothing to do with you it's really about them and that was blatantly clear to me as well with what this uh, comic said to me and who fucking cares 
Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ram Charan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Well, that about does it for another episode of Jonathan Ramtran the podcast. I certainly enjoyed your viewership. Certainly enjoyed being here with you this day. Certainly uh, thinking about what I'm going to eat. A little hungry at the moment. So, you know, perfect timing. Thank you very much for your viewership, folks. Till next time. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 1st in the year of our Lord, 2022. <clears throat> yeah. Is it a joke? Is it all a joke? Or are they just joking? What about my feelings? Random acts of violence in our society. What the hell's wrong with people? Ben Affleck. Deep Water. Anna D. Armas. That's a banger. Mel Gibb. Old Gibson, The Passion of the Christ. Great film. Yeah. We talked about all that. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. My own website, jeanathan-ramtaran.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please, would you help my black ass out? Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Hallelujah. Peace.